John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. You have accessed entry 172.HE0927, certificate number Synod or synod? It's definitely not the long I. I think synod. Webster's prefers synod with the schwa oh, synod. to synod. Synod. But schwa's are tricky. I'm getting yelled at by um, uh, Jeopardy viewers. Now it's not enough that I'm getting my pronunciation yelled at by podcast listeners without a who, who, di- hate, who don't own a dictionary, right? Who hate you pluralizing the word <laughs> Lego. <laughs> Uh, but I now, you know, I, now I'm doing it on national TV as a Jeopardy guest host this winter. And, uh, it turns out, and, and so every time I say Appalachian, I get a whole lot of people telling me it's Appalachian. Apple, Appalachian. I don't yeah. know how they're, maybe they called their, called their grandson and had him boot up a computer so they could write that AOL email. I have a friend who was born in the mountains of Tennessee and her parents named her Appalachia. So I, not Appalachia. No, I feel like she, I feel like if if you name your daughter Appalachia and she's born in the Appalachians, and her and she's known as Apple. I just want to say, look, I'm hosting Jeopardy. Yeah, is this hillbilly elegy? <laughs> this is Jeopardy. Do you think Alex Trebek would say Appalachians? No, he would not. He would not. But the thing I got in trouble most for is um, this is the schwa of synod. I was saying zoolo- zoology with a schwa. Oh, instead of zoology. No, instead of zoology with a with a long o. Do they say zoology? Zoology. So apparently, this this was all news to me. But every time the word zoology appeared in a clue, I would get four or five angry old people emailing me or or, or messaging me to tell me that it's not zoology. And I was like, what is this collective insanity? <laughs> it turns out there was some very prescriptivist pronunciation pop reference book in the 20th century called. There is no zoo in zoology. Zoology. Like when you say it just like swinging through it like that, I can hear that. Zoology. And it's not, you shouldn't say zoology, I guess. That would be the study of zoos. Hmm. Uh, Zoology. But if you just, if you just kind of, if you say zoology with a schwa, all these angry people who only remember the title of this book are going to be like, 
I know one thing to be right about, and young zoology. man. It is not zoology, it's zoology. You're one of the very few people I know that understands how to read um, pronunciation, cryptic language, the, the parenthetical oh, yeah. how to pronounce things in the dictionary. I can only do dictionary ones, though. Like when it's actually IPA, like mm-hmm. not, the, not the beer, but the international system with the weird characters. Yeah. Those I always have to look up. What is? But in the dictionary, I'm like, oh, yeah, O with a bar over it. Got it. I mean, when I try to figure out pronunciations by actually looking it up, it takes me so long. Because you have to keep flipping back and forth yeah. when that page on the inside right. cover or whatever. So you'll notice I just pick whatever pronunciation kind of seems... Like I, I just Sinid, do, I, synod. I do finger guns and just keep <laughs> keep moving. But you know, I get a lot of I get a lot of anger. So in real life, too. every time you say the word synod, you're doing finger guns. I do finger guns. Do your Lutheran do your Lutheran friends mind? Thirteen times a day. Hey, I I'm go, shooting up the synod. <laughs> Synod's over. John Roderick's here. Because of the secular life I lead, I I have very little opportunity to say synod. Or uh, That's right. or synod. Well, I'm a man of faith, and I sure. have never said the word. Synod. Oh, oh, it's not part of the Mormon uh, like pr- well, process. A, a synod is a religious convocation. I think it's going to lead to some kind of a decision. Yeah, I'm just going to make up definitions. No, it seems like it's a council of Nicaea of a kind. Mormons have uh, conferences, churchwide conferences. Oh, right, because than... because you're the ultimate sort of capitalist religion. That's right. We've got our uh, what do you <laughs> call this? We got our little planners, mm-hmm. our, our leather bound planner. Still, we haven't upgraded to um, blackberries yet. So and it's it's more like a it's more like a trade show. The the when the church moved its big biannual uh, uh, churchwide meeting from the the um, beloved tabernacle right. that the pioneers built across the street to a much bigger place to, to the get, mall to get the kid in, uh, you know you get a bigger audience you know the church sure. is now big enough to start playing arenas sure and <laughs> we're no longer in the tabernacle so they moved across the street and they literally called the new place the conference center. As if it were like some new municipal convention <laughs> right. gathering. Well, wait, place. is it available for other things? Could I have a like a wedding reception there? Uh, Could the Long Winners play at the conference center? The, I've been to a Christmas concert there, and I believe somebody appallingly secular must have played. Uh, oh, it wasn't the choir. Yeah, well, I mean, the choir is always there, but then guess what, folks? Hey, it's Gladys Knight <laughs> or. Uh, who is Mormon, but that's not required. It's like, you know, guess what? The parables of Luke or the the story in Luke 2 is now being read by Oscar winner Jeremy Irons. What's he doing in Salt Lake City? So those often have, you know, in a concession to, I guess, American capitalist Christmas, those often have uh, non-Utah talent. But those are synods, wouldn't you say? You know what? Just for a special treat, and because it's in the title of the show, I'm looking up synod. An ecclesiastical governing council. So it's... um. It's actually the body itself that gets convened, so not, it'd be the, not the occasion of, of convening it, I guess. It would be the elders in that case, in your case. Yeah, it would be the, the, the general authorities of the, right. of the Latter-day Saint, of the Utah branch of the Latter-day Saint religion. Every time we do an omnibus, it's a synod. Yes, of... we are the governing council of the omnibus That's project. That's right. Okay, good. Good. Well, now I know. We are now living in a time, this is going to be totally irrelevant to anyone listening, but... Our, not, not like everything else in this intro. Our current... Right, everything else, they're going to be taking copious notes. There was a book about how to pronounce zoology? Uh, oh, I left the dictionary up, and now it's reading me um, ads for um, Campbell's Soup. Like, I'm glad my sound is off. Well, but that's exactly... That's why you got to get a paper dictionary. <laughs> because it, there are no ads. You do have to flip back and forth to the pronunciation guide, but nobody in the middle of the dictionary is ever like... Campbell's Soup, The Taste of Childhood. My daughter was asking me, she was running down a list of people 
because she wanted to know what the cutoff was uh, when a person there there are people that are in the dictionary, but there are there's a cutoff right because there are most most famous people would not appear in the dictionary. Lady Gaga not in the dictionary. They're in the encyclopedia maybe, but like is Abraham Lincoln in the dictionary? Yes. Is Woodrow Wilson in the dictionary? Not Probably because they're not. words. Like some people actually become words. Like Mae West is in every dictionary. Because of she's a life preserver. She's, a, she's now a life preserver. They, but, they, uh, they, well, they fine. skinned her. Is Abraham Lincoln in, in your dictionary? Well, here's the thing about the Collegiate 11th, which I have handy right here. Yes. It has a separate biographical section at the end. Right. Oh, so it, so he's not, he hasn't become a noun. No. Or, I, a, or an adjective. Well, it wouldn't be between, um, uh, you know... Lincolnshire and... Linesman or right. whatever, yeah. Um, but some dictionaries do, I think... Are you looking at a dictionary that actually has bi- biographical capsules? No, I was, trying to expl- I was trying to explain this very thing. Like, you know, like George Washington is going to be in the dictionary instead of just uh, like the biographical... I bet every president is in... Every president. That's what, so. Section. So my daughter and I have taken up uh, memorizing all the presidents in order. Oh yeah, as she just, told me. Yeah, it's just a kind of thing to do during the quarantine. Like, the other day, the, the other day the I came in and she was like, "Do you know uh, Grant to Taft or something like that?" She had some specific run she yeah. wanted me to know. I was and, like, "Ooh, that's the hard one." Grant to Taft. That is a hard one. Although you know there are an awful lot of Jameses and Johns in the early. It's just like the Bible. There are too many Jameses you just and guess. Johns. Who who uh, who preached that? Oh, probably James or John. No, James or John. Do you want to name a weird president? You want to see if he's in? I think they're all here. You think so? Zachary Taylor. Let's see about that. Is here. Interesting. But you know, all he gets is 12th Prez of the U.S. together with Maxwell Taylor, Am Jen, American general, or Elizabeth Taylor, Am film actress. Oh, okay. So there are, there are, um, they do make, make it as entries, but that wouldn't be true in the Oxford English Dictionary. They're not going to have Elizabeth Taylor. There's no biographical section. Oxford... I think has its own line of, of genre specific and Webster's does too. Webster's has a biographical dictionary. I don't think it's been updated in a while. Right. What so I was, what again, I was, no lady Gaga. What I was going to say. Oh, sorry. Before you start talking about dictionaries. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the subject of this show? Dictionaries, right? Uh, yeah. Diction. No received pronunciation. No, Soup? wait, that's a, that's later. Uh, the, we're, you know, in our very current moment, as we record this, there is ongoing a, uh, essentially a trial in the United States in abs- of our president? Yes, I'm following it religiously. <laughs> but he's not the president. There's the oh, rub. Oh, right. Due, our, our former president. Due to a series of bad, due to a series of weird timings and political shenanigans, an impeachment conviction trial is taking place in the Senate for someone who is not the president, but was the president when he did all these bad things. Right. It's uh, it's unprecedented. Unprecedented. He is unprecedented. And it's led to, you know, constitutional objections, mostly on partisan lines. I think it's pretty well settled. Yesterday, I, in the opening arguments, the, uh, the, de- the, the lead attorney for the defense, you know, read the definition of what's impeachable in the constitution. And he stopped right before, you know, the and future, uh, whatever, you know, that would, that would apply here. I was, I was fooled. I noticed, um, that, that all of the former president's attorneys have terrible tailoring. And then I then I thought, wait a minute, the entire administration, I think the one thing that, that really turned me against the Trump administration was they they have absolutely terrible tailoring. And you were, the thing is you were in favor of literally everything else so vocally. Yeah. 
But but you, like, you were like, come uh, on, tighten up those 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 uh, like arm fa- fa- families in prison camps. Check mm-hmm. arms to Yemen. Yeah. You were just go. You had that big arms to Yemen banner yeah. in front of your house. It's cra- it was crazy. <laughs> if there is one country in the Middle East that I think should have more war, it's Yemen. And yet, because their pants didn't break uh, over the shoe or whatever. Yeah, yeah, their their jackets are like uh, like almost blousy, <laughs> and that's not what you want in a suit jacket. It's this- not a it's not a blouse. I like that you have a principled objection. This is not something you heard Rachel Maddow tell you. This no, is no, no. this is your own this is, conviction. This is independent, and I do feel it's an impeachable offense. And that's why it's so deeply stupid because because you, you you didn't get it from from an actual authority of any kind. Those Trump ties are like are like two yards long. They go down to his knees. That's what you want. No, it's not what you want. It really accentuates the angle at which it's protruding when it's that long. You right. want to see it go out and then out, back in a tiny then, bit. And kind of hang down like a, like a waterfall. Like, like a, a, like a grandfather <laughs> clock pendulum. <laughs> um, but this is, so it's, it's an unusual time that maybe will be discussed in American history. The impeachment trial of an ex president, somebody who's no longer in the office to even be, impeached right you wouldn't have to kick him onto a helicopter he's already he's already gone baby unlikely that he'll do any prison time no which is i think what a lot of us are hoping but you know that wouldn't you just know, punitive the, prison the, time. the, the, the uh, yeah i feel like the results here are largely symbolic unless you really think he's going to run in 2024 what you want here is what you're looking to see is will his own party repudiate him because it won't have any bearing on any future hypothetical criminal proceedings. Right. I think that, that uh, I think there's a big element of it that just wants him to feel sad. There are a lot of people in this country that, that just have some, I think they have some mistaken idea that he has the capacity for shame. So they want, they keep thinking that they're going to shame him into something, but he, but it, it might be worse than that. There's a lot of evidence. He just likes to be talked about on cable news. And this is the worst thing for someone like that. Right. He should be, he should be they're, irrelevant. Now. They're breaking into soap operas and game shows to, to say his name a lot. Now I should say, I should say to the futurelings who are like, you guys should never talk about politics. Cause there are those, Probably. there are futurelings that are mad when we, when we reveal our liberal bias. I don't, um, ha- I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, but we are right down the plate. Yeah, I guess that's true. We are pretty both sides here. Oh, sure. Yeah. You, you were, you liked Yemen blowing up? Well, and I know, didn't. I'm... And I didn't. We taught the controversy. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been a hawk. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm one of those Democrats that wants to bomb. You just like the bomb, helicopter, bomb, the bomb. shiny, shiny helicopters. <laughs> They're so beautiful. Your eyes kind of glaze over. Any amount that we spend on, on Navy ships, even if they suffer from corrosion immediately, I think it's, it was worth the money. Uh, but what I want to discuss today on the omnibus, in, oh, addition, I'm sorry. in addition to soup and dictionaries and, right. and Yemen, is uh, an even odder trial that took place, again, for someone uh, who no longer held the office, which he was controversially being uh, stripped of. But, and tried for crimes committed while when in When he office. was in office. Mm-hmm. The only difference is this was n- not in absentia. The ex-pope was in the room. Mm-hmm. However, he was not breathing, which is why it's often it was at the time no one said, "Hey, let's have a cadaver synod." I mean, they would have been speaking Latin or whatever, yeah, right? But, but they still wouldn't have said, "Like, hey, Horatius, let's go have a cadaver synod." I mean, isn't cadaver synod in Latin? Yeah, it does sound like it. It does cadaver synod. It seems it's pretty not, Latin sounding. Yeah, it's not like a heavy metal band. It's more like a, it's mm. yeah, it's like a password you say to get into some. Totally skeevy Ivy League secret society where um, Alexander Hamilton used to 
have a sex with a pumpkin or whatever. It's cadaver synod does sound like a song in a in a heavy metal triptych, right? Like <laughs> yeah. like like it's a a song cycle that began. It's on the on the on the uh, the liner notes. There's the title, and then there are these subtitles, kind of uh, like like Judas Priest's. Uh, see what what was their seasonal? They did they did a whole album side that was a cycle like winter spring. I like my heavy metal musicians like dumb, not book learned, no uh, subsection two in the songs. Sorry, that's not possible anymore. All heavy metal uh, is done now by PhD students in in uh, in biology. <laughs> so wait a minute, you're telling me that there was a trial held over the lifeless body of a pope for an ex pope. They had him in the room. They didn't. They didn't like go into a, a, a separate room, an antechamber. You got to bring him in. I mean, you don't. There's no legal requirement that the pope's the papal corpse be in the room. But this guy really wanted to rub it into the guy's face, and you can only do that if there's a face. There's a kind of there's a kind of like body thing in Catholicism where the actual corpus sort of um, I don't know. They, there's a, there's a significance to the. To the shell. Yeah, it's called Corpus Malorpus in in, uh, in canon law, I think. Isn't that a Pokemon? <laughs> Let's flash back to the waning days of the ninth century. In the 800s, uh, Rome is pretty much a ghost town. Right. Every, everybody lives in one tiny section of it because everything else is ruined. It switched over to Constantinople. Yes. It's no longer the center. It's been, it's been sacked dozens of times. It's uh it was the Visigoths, right? Aren't they the aren't they the criminals of the destruction of Rome? The Goths? The first, right? I think yeah. the, I think the first time it's the Visigoths. Yeah. But not the last. Oh. A traveler a traveler uh, in Rome at this time. Wait a minute, Rome was destroyed by a traveler? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that. I saw that in the 80s, the first time I went to Rome. Uh yeah, the bathroom in his hostel was just mm-hmm. destroyed by this guy. Mm-hmm. What a thoughtless what a thoughtless Canadian he was. No, uh, a pilgrim writing, you know, because there would still be pilgrimages, of course, to Rome. Mm-hmm. But he writes that Rome, you know, the once mighty Rome is now the province of green snakes, black toads, and white dragons. Which, and again, a heavy metal album side. <laughs> there's your cycle. <laughs> which to me, like that, that should be a travel guide. I would, I would go to that. The, um, the power of the of the papacy, papacy. What are we going to say? I'm going to say papacy. Papacy has been vastly diminished. Um, Largely because the popes are just kind of lousy, infighting politicos at this point. Right. It's a time of great turbulence in uh, the Italian peninsula and, in fact, you know, all of Central Europe, really. And There were some new popes. There were some some non-canonical popes. Some young popes. Uh, even in Rome, they are going through popes so fast. Between the year 872 and the year 965, there were 24 popes. Seems like a lot of popes. If you do the math, that's a pope every two or three years. And are these like wicked popes? Are these popes yes. that in are- Yes. In fact, the, the, the historical term we use is these are the bad popes. Bad popes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got, oh, uh, it's like a, it's like an exterminator showing up and saying, oh no, I'm, I've, I hate to tell you this, but these are the, these are the bad popes you got here. He knocks the wall. Bad popes sounds like a Southern California hardcore band. Yeah, or maybe a fit like like southern southern New Jersey hardcore band, the Bad Popes. It seems like maybe it's a nineties. Bad Popes. Bad Popes seems like it's got to be in the nineties, right? You can't be the Bad Popes today. No, you couldn't be the Bad Popes. Well, today, today the Bad Popes would probably just be some gentle folk group. Oh, <laughs> huh? hmm. maybe it's us. Maybe we could be the Bad from Popes. Asheville, North Carolina. So, so is this peak Bad Pope? Because I feel like there were Bad Popes throughout. 
I feel like Pope the Popage, the papacy went kind of up and down. There were sometimes good popes, sometimes a period of a pope every two years. This is your all-time nadir of oh. bad papal behavior. Mm-hmm. And it's because, you know, it's because of this crumbling power vacuum here, the the symbolic importance of the church and, you know, obviously it's uh it's material wealth suddenly becomes more important. It becomes a magnet for, uh, you know, local uh, rivalries. Right, scroungers. Yes, and in particular, um, at this particular time, the the big power struggle is between the Holy Roman Empire, the the Frankish kings of, of Charlemagne's descendants who are extending power throughout Europe and just uppity local dukes who this are not con- into the Holy Roman Empire taking over. But this isn't post-Charlemagne, isn't Isn't this contemporaneous or even a little prior? No, it's his descendants. We're, oh, in the, okay. we're in the late ninth century here. So these are his descendants, but it's all coming apart. His um, Charles the Fat is now sitting on Charlemagne's throne and I, I'm not fat shaming him. Like, no matter what his size was, he was just a lousy emperor. He was known as Charles the Fat, which is not a. Um, At the time, it wasn't pejorative. I bet. Probably not, but it also feels a little casual, right? A little familiar. Yeah, you wouldn't call your boss, uh, you know, Gary the Fat. No, I think I think when you do, when when you stop calling leaders the bold or the. The vicious. It's a sign. Yeah, and you start of some palace of palace intrigue. Yeah, you start des- describing them as like the big nose. Uh, it seems like you've lost some. You've lost some ground. Uh, so, in the middle of all this rivalry between uh, Charlemagne's uh, throne and local uh, dukedoms vying for power, uh, the church chooses different sides, and often it chooses a different side every two or three years right. when a pope dies of gout or is murdered. That was the only two ways to die at the time, <laughs> gout or murder. <laughs> but no, this is this is actually true. Like dozens of, a couple dozen popes were murdered uh, over a few centuries. John VIII was poisoned by assassins and survived, so they just hit him in the head with a hammer till he died. Mm-hmm. Could have skipped the poison, probably. We're gonna we're gonna tell a similar story in the next episode of Omnibus. Oh, foreshadowing! Yeah, a rare Omnibus <laughs> technique. Uh, into this uh, steps one of these popes, Formosus. Formosus. Uh, Formosus. It's Latin for good looking. Mm. We don't well formed, I guess. Formosus. We don't know his name. That was probably not his birth name. Um, we don't know anything, in fact, about his early life. He appears in the. In the church records, first as a bishop of Porto. Oh, um, it's a yeah, it's a beautiful city. Not Portugal, not Porto, Portugal. Oh, 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 oh. Porto, Italy, I guess. The mouth of the Tiber near oh, Ostia. Okay. All right, I do not know. Less beautiful, Porto. or maybe more beautiful. Who knows? Porto in Portugal has suffered a little decline, or uh, maybe it's back on the rise. They're having a rough month with COVID. Thanks for coming to our Fodor's. <laughs> uh, in uh, short, Porto is a land of contrast. <laughs> Uh, you know, he's the bishop, of, he's a powerful bishop of an Italian, uh, diocese near Rome. So he gets a lot of important diplomatic assignments to different European courts. I love uh, that we're, li- we're now in the dark ages here where, or we're talking about a, a dark age where we're also in the dark ages, but we're talking about a different dark age. I mean, it's, it's the dark ages in the sense that you could be a Pope and we would know like nothing about you would have survived. Like the, uh, his birth his year of birth is speculative based on how old he is at the time of the synod that ends the story. They're just kind of counting backwards. Right. Nobody, no records of his early life. And a lot of that is, a lot of the um, 
the knowledge vacuum around Formosus is not just Dark Ages related, but is specific to his fate in this episode. Uh, his his history was removed. Um, in the year 876, even though he's a sitting bishop, uh, Formosus is excommunicated uh, by Vatican rivals. There's a lot of... Uh, is there What's the Catholic kind of Kremlinology? Vaticanology? Yeah, Vaticanology. Let's call it that. Bas- let's, let's, uh, Basilicology? Let's, uh, let's coin it. Anyway, like all the power struggles you kind of read about today. Oh, you know, the conservatives want Benedict in the seat, but the reformers are, you know, uh, all this is... But it's all accentuated when people literally have daggers and chalices full of poison mead. But it's also to do with like which which um, which duke currently controls Avignon, right? Or or yes. I mean it's 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 also just yes. geographical struggle. Yeah. The, so the Franks get their pope in, and immediately uh, Formosus, who is too chummy with the uh, upstart dukes of Spoleto, his patrons has to run out of town. That doesn't happen much in the Vatican today. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's not like... It settled uh, down quite a bit. You had lunch with the president of Argentina? Get out of here. But when John VIII dies, this is the guy who um, needed the poison and the hammer to kill him. Good old John um, the Ape. Not John the Ape. John the Eighth. Oh, the Eighth. I was going to say, now that... That's worse than... <laughs> that's worse than Charles the Fat. Popes don't usually get those. <laughs> Nobody was like, oh yeah, John Paul the Pollock. <laughs> Not reason popes, but you know, they called this guy John the Ape, apparently. Fr- Francis the kind of chill by comparison. Uh, once his enemy John the Ape dies, he's able to return to Rome. He's a bishop again. Uh and when John VIII's successor, Stephen V, dies, uh, Formosus becomes is elected pope. I think of Stephen as a as a late twentieth century name. I don't think of it as a as a Middle Ages pope name. Uh, Stephen's biblical, really? Yeah, uh, <laughs> the, 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 like Steve of Hippo. They didn't call him Steve. <laughs> he replaced uh, Judas. Judas dies. They're down an apostle. You can't oh. say, uh, "Check it out, guys! It's the eleven apostles." Oh, so Stephen is like an alternate apostle. Yeah, they draw lots and Stephen becomes... And he's, and he's quickly martyred, so that's why it's a common name for, for Christians for the next thousand years. I, uh, I have not read the Bible that deeply. So I'm for all you know, say. there's a guy named... Um, Tony. Mitch. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know, you know, I know, I know, the, I know the highlights, but I, I was thinking the other day I should sit and read it. Have you read it? The entire thing, sat and read it? Yeah, it's pretty solid. Like, like, but isn't it kind of repetitive? Don't people do the same things over and over? They, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of overstated, actually. But that's, you open it on page... It, it's easy to skip a sea of bigats, but that's only going to yeah. be a page, and then somebody's going to be doing something weird, talking to a donkey. So you you, uh, you sat down at some point in your life and, and opened it... Uh, from front cover, you read the read, read the credits cover to cover. Really, took a break for lunch. Wow, <laughs> no. <laughs> people re- people dip into the Bible a little a day. It's more like a daily ritual. It's like brushing your teeth or watching Wheel of Fortune. Oh, I see. You you read a page and then you reflect. on You it. ponder, yeah, and then you read a little more the next night. But it's like twelve hundred pages. You it would take you a dozen and you do years. lose the narrative sweep. I gotta say. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I, here I, I'm going to say a name, and you tell me whether or not you think it's a, a disciple okay. of Christ. All right. Uh, Bartholomew. Yes. Correct. Victor. No. That is correct. There is no uh, Victor. Alexander. Yes. No. Wh- no. Which is it? Well, it's no. And no is correct. <clears throat> Nathaniel. Yes. Nathaniel's right. You are four for four. You think you don't know the Bible. Robert. No. 
Robert is that's that's correct. There is no Robert Rudolph. No, no Rudolph. Thaddeus. Yes, you are seven for seven. Yeah. Well, see, so so. I, but you were you would have been fooled by Stephen. Well, but this is the this is the thing. Like, you, there's so much received wisdom. You know, so much Bible reception. Matthew. Yes, of course. Andrew. No, Andrew's correct. Andrew's correct. You finally missed one. Oh, Andrew. There is a biblical Andrew. Peter's brother. Um, you got to think he just, that's how he got his apostleship. Yeah. Right. He's famous can, for being famous. Can I bring my brother? He's the, he's the Frank Stallone of, uh, <laughs> of the disciples. Okay. Moving on. Uh, so Stephen. So Formosus is finally Pope, but the problem is this is a, an even trickier than normal time to be Pope because Formosus's former, uh, patron uh, protector, the, the Duke of Spoleto is now guy, the third of Italy. Oh, he's become. He's, well, wait, there, there's a uni- United King now. Oh, over Italy at but, this time. But this is Italy, meaning southern and central Italy. This doesn't include like northern Italy. They didn't even call that Italy, did they? Yeah, no, and and that's the crux of this right now is that um, the power struggle now is to who's Charles the um, Fat has uh, died, probably of Fatness. high blood pressure or right. something, and so now there's a power vacuum at the top of the. Holy Roman Empire, and Guy the Third, the King of Italy, is a contender. But so is uh, an upstart Austrian duke. So you know, kind of this area around northern Italy, the right. southernmost part of what we think of as Austria-like today. Arnulf of Carinthia. Uh, oh, sure, Carinthian. He's probably clothed in leather. <laughs> it is very, very rich. So Guy the Third wants to, uh, you know, either take over the throne, or shortly thereafter he dies, and it would be his son. Lambert. And uh, so Lambert II is crowned Holy Roman Emperor. Um, and Guy III of Italy tries a coup, and Arnulf besieges, sends his armies to Rome and besieges Rome. So it's Arnulf of Corinthia? Arnulf of Corinthia, which sounds like a made up but he's Conan but he the should, barbarian character. He should be Greek in that case, right? It's it's Carinthia with an A. Oh, Carinthia. It's, it's not related to Corinth, the uh, Greek. Uh, what, what is it? A peninsula? Uh, no, it's a Corinth is a town on the Pe- Peloponnese. I think it, it's also an isthmus. So the whole peninsula. Oh yeah, you're right. It's the isthmus between the the Peloponnesian peninsula right, and there, the rest that's of it. Greece. It's that's right it, there, yeah. right there at the at the crotch, as we say. Yeah, the crotch of Greece. Yeah. Uh, Boy, but you don't want Greece in your crotch, do you? Oh, so Carinthia is in southern is southern Austria. It's the place yes. closest to Italy. I want you to take my word for it. Okay. When I say Carinthia is in southern Austria, you can just be like, okay, gotcha, gotcha. But I, it does sound fake. I'm totally with you. No, it sounds I, like a place from an '80s Beastmaster movie or something. <laughs> I, I f- swear fealty to you, Arnulf of Carinthia, who's does. played by Rutger Hauer. Yeah, or, right. Uh, uh, and and uh, then, uh, then, then Conan uh, comes and bonks his head. Probably, yeah. But it's it's actually pronounced Conan. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I I used to call him Conan the Barbarian, like Conan O'Brien. It would, yeah, and it would drive people crazy that cared. Conan O'Brien's enemies. Am I wrong? They're uh, usually African American. Should we be offended? He's always fighting James Earl Jones and like uh, Wilt Chamberlain or something. Well, you know, it's, Jim a, Brown. Maybe is there a movie where he fights Jim Brown? <laughs> he's a he's a barbarian. I mean, there there weren't a lot of uh, African. European barbarians. He's a Hun, right? So is the setup in the movie that he's, well, he's not, he's from Samaria. He's from somewhere weird made up, uh, Hyperborean locale. I I watched that movie only as an adult and I didn't, I didn't understand what was happening. Apart from Little Snatches on TV, I've never seen a Conan movie. 
Yeah, I watched it for the for my now long lamented uh, war movie podcast because it I don't know it qualified at some point. But I want to suggest this is a problematic take that those movies are just about this um, this uh, Austrian Aryan muscled Aryan type. Um, yeah, but James Earl Jones was formidable. He was no he was no like uh, like sort of paper tiger. He was. He, he arguably. I'm not saying they're bad screen villains. Oh, I see. They're You're great. They're that great they're villains. villains. Well, if you think about the Lord of the Rings, all of the all of the orcs and bad guys and bad men are all either they all come from these swarthier clans. Yeah, they're all dressed in you know in either Arab or Indian garb, and and we know now that that's because Tolkien was kind of racist <laughs> about people from that part of the world. Super racist. So I, I'm wondering, is there a Conan argument to oh, be made? How old I'm do you sure think James is. Earl Jones, by the way? Do you know how old James Earl Jones is in our era? Now? Yeah. 85. He is 90, at least 90 years old. Wow. And, and, he, and he's in the Coming to America 2 trailer. <laughs> <laughs> he's still alive. He should be playing one of the old guys at the barbershop. Ken, I'm really proud of the Omnibus Patreon. I think it was a, it was f- uh, farsighted of us to, to, to turn to Patreon to fund the show. It, it enabled us to leave our our formerly uh, draconian corporate masters that kept us uh, under their jack-heeled boot of their, their single boot of, of the, it was a it was a company that it was basically run by Captain Ahab. They only had one boot and an ivory leg, and the ivory leg was on me, and the jack-heeled boot was on it was on you. me. That's at, why I remember it more. At all time, I just think about that cold ivory leg on the small of my back. We loved doing this show from the first episode. We have such a good time doing it, but for a long time, it was hard to understand why we were doing <laughs> we it. Were, <laughs> we were afraid we were not going to be able to make it pay, and then we would not be able to do the show. Yeah, it was hard to... I mean, we continued to do it almost for no compensation. For two that, years. Yeah, that's testament to how much we enjoyed doing it. But when we switched over to, uh, to Patreon, uh, which is, I think, still kind of an undersung platform uh, where an undersung way for artists to, to find audiences to support them. Yeah, it really is. And it's a, and it's a fantastic way to, um, to fund something like an omnibus project, which is, which is a lot of work for us and a lot of, although really fun, uh, the Patreon enables us to connect with our audience a lot better. And we, We've kind of followed the model of having different tiers of membership and those different tiers produce, um, I mean, there, there are actually like different rewards at the different tiers that some of them are, are, uh, are actual material items and, and real experiences. If you enjoy Omnibus on any level, but you haven't looked into the Patreon. I'm assuming that you do enjoy it. Here's a quick rundown. What if they're just listening to a show to fall asleep or, um. Even so, that's a kind of enjoyment. They're not native English speakers, so they don't even know I'm... Still enjoying it. Uh, I wish I could plug the Patreon in Portuguese. I think that would really help. I think that the Portuguese people listening to the show are going to be able to figure out what we're talking about. El, 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 el Patreon. El Patron. El Patron. <laughs> Wait a minute, that's a different it's thing. It's not a cigar or a, what is it, tequila? <laughs> it's a tequila, but also, yeah, it's your it's your, it's your your patron. Uh, it's, the, it's the Catherine de' Medici version or, or uh, variation on the theme. Except that it's not a small group of elite people making the kind of art they like possible. It's any kind of small niche of regular folks can toss in a few bucks and suddenly 
uh, an artist is a going concern indefinitely. That's right. And we're able now to make the Omnibus program with a lot of confidence and enthusiasm that's not just because of our friendship and our interest in Esoterica, but also it's a it's a craft industry for us. Some of the advantages of Patreon membership, in addition to the show keeps going, uh, would be the following. First of all, at the even at the very lowest donation tier, uh, $5 a month, you receive a bonus episode of Omnibus every month. And it's a, it's, a, it's a specific and hilarious version of Omnibus where we read letters from futurelings who have something more to add to our episodes. And then sometimes we accept their contribution. Sometimes we bat it down like a cat with a moth. Imagine a version of Omnibus that's actually both fun and fast-paced. Weird. And that's what you're missing out on with the monthly Addenda show. What's interesting about the Addenda show is we do get to the topic right away. We have to. Yeah. There's nothing but there's nothing but to, it's, <laughs> it's topic all topic. the way down. That's right. At the next level, uh, for $10 a month, you get the Addenda show, but you also get access to a visual archive on the Patreon that includes things like... Uh, uh, weird artifacts that listeners have sent us. You and Mindy do a great job of taking pictures of all the weird stuff that we have and and um, curating it into an interesting little. It's all Mindy, file. all the and all the the notes you and I work from on the shows. If you want to see what didn't make the cut or uh, which of us have legible handwriting, the answer is neither. Yeah, Ken's handwriting is more. I don't know. It's smaller, a lot smaller than mine. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's I'm really proud of that. Yeah. I've really been working on that. Good work. As I get older, I'm trying to get my handwriting smaller and smaller. Yeah. Until, you get more words on the page. Yes. Until I die the very day that the the width of my letters is zero pica. Uh, at the next level, you get all that plus you get mailed to your address a copy of one of these show notes, autographed and personalized by the two of us. And that's at the $20 level? Yes. I mean, even there, we're talking about a couple hundred bucks a year. Less than you spend on Arby's. Absolutely. I think even the vegetarians listening probably spend more than $200 a year at Arby's. They do because of the delicious vegetarian options at Arby's. What do you get there when you're not eating meat? Arby's? Yeah. What do you get at Arby's when you're not eating meat? Oh, oh, I'm always eating meat. So I only get Arby's meat So you've never tried the carrot and quinoa salad? Uh, uh, not at Arby's. Or the chickpea sandwich? I don't think I've tried that at the Arby's. falafel with barbecue sauce? Barbecue sauce. I don't actually Arby's, know what Arby's the Arby's veggie options are. Horsey sauce. They must be delicious. Horsey sauce salad. You can get, no. the, you can get the potato cakes. I don't like potatoes. Oh, right. Nope. I just get the meat, I get the meat sandwiches. Uh, but for just a dent in your Arby's budget, right. you could give it that level. And, uh, and you know, if you've given it that level in the past, one thing we decided to do this year, because we didn't know if people would want a second identical pair of assigned show notes, is we also have been tossing in assigned chick tract. Yeah, the assigned chick tracks are a lot of fun. We have a good time with those. <laughs> but these are real, you know, these are things that have, have, uh, have touched both our hands because we both signed them. Yeah, first, so let them, let them uh, sterilize for a few hours once you, they arrive at your home. Mine, typically, uh, some of them have coffee stains on them where I, where I put my cup. Ken often will spit up some Diet Dr. Pepper uh, when he laughs uproariously at one of I, my I, hilarious puns. I've got doodles. Yep. Oh, we both doodle. We both doodle. Not very well. Uh, at the higher, more aspirational levels, you can even, at the next level, you can get all of the above benefits, plus you can request... A show topic That's right. on the omnibus of your choice. Request slash recommend. So some of our some of our fifty dollar donors 
uh, really want a show done in their image. Some of them are really just trying to help and suggest things that, that really do, that wouldn't have come across our bow another way, but that, that feel very right at home with us. Yeah. Usually it's a collaborative process where a listener will say, well, here are a few things I'm interested in. And we will, usually they'll just be right down the plate because they've heard the show before. Right. Nobody's like, Hey, can you do a, uh, can you do a show about, um, about my mom's girdle? Right. Although, although we'd consider it. Although, uh, and so we can usually shape the topic into a great show. And we've done some, some of our favorite shows have been, Listener suggestions. Yeah, really good, really good. Uh, well, that's the thing about Futurelings. If you're a member of our Patreon, the assumption is that you are, yeah, you're invested in the show and you want to ha- have it be good. You understand the vernacular and the aesthetic and the culture of it. And then at the highest level of donation, we, Ken and I will actually, this is, it's almost embarrassing how available we are, but we will actually hop on a Zoom call with you. And we've had so many fun Zoom calls this year. With, uh, with, I mean, you want to think that there's a kind of futureling, but there's not. <laughs> there's every kind of futureling. It has really been a, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's been a, a, a trip across the world, really, to chatting with all these people. Yep. Yep. Interesting characters. And not a single one that, I mean, when we went into first doing Zoom calls with, uh, with Patreon subscribers, we thought, oh boy. What's this going to be like? There's going to be a lot of real weirdos. Uh, and it turns out that was true. But they are us. We are usually the weirdos <laughs> right. on the call. They're, but they're super great. I, we've not had a bad one. So if any of those benefits seem compelling to you uh, and your budget allows, please join the uh, almost 2,000 currently Omnibus listeners who uh, help support the show every month on Patreon. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely possible to support us on Patreon and not want any of those benefits uh, and still feel like, yeah, I get a lot of enjoyment out of this show and I'm going to chip in a little bit of money because it's a, boy, I'm an evangelist for this style of supporting the things you love. I, I didn't understand it very well at first, but I see now that a lot of uh, creative people can turn their their thing that would otherwise kind of not be sustainable into something sustainable just because a, a handful of people like it enough to to support it in this way. A record company or a TV network is not impressed by a little niche following, but so many cool artists are going to be able to, you know, quit their day job right. because they have that niche following now. Us included. It's fantastic. I don't know. Ken, do you want to quit your day job if they get, if they let you host Jeopardy? It's unclear what my day job <laughs> is right now. So luckily all my uh, day jobs are like every few day jobs. Yeah. So, uh, Omnibus is in good hands for the future. Yeah, it's definitely sustaining me, and I, I, I've been, I've been emailing a lot of uh, musicians I know, saying, "Hey, I know you're struggling. You haven't been able to play any music this year. Um, you should try reaching out to your fans in this way." Patreon.com/slash Omnibus Project. So Rome has been besieged by Arnulf's Austrian army. Right. Uh, Formosus, despite the fact that he, uh, the Spilettos were his protectors, he's decided, he reads the writing on the wall and decides to throw in with the Austrians. Oh. So he's, so he has proclaimed his allegiance to, uh, a foreign king, basically. Now, how much of this is Rome as symbolic? Like, like the way that the Crusaders made Jerusalem symbolic. It's not, at, Rome isn't actually the power yeah, center. No, Rome's a dive. Yeah, That's what right, I'm saying. Right. But, you know, the Vatican is still. Uh, a revenue stream okay. and a source of uh, 
Right. They sell a lot of merch. Uh, right. And a source of godly prestige. I mean, to what degree do these kings like toss and turn and sweat in their beds at night wondering if um, Lord uh, Yesu uh, smiles on their campaign? Sure, of course. Some, probably. They're not all... They're not all cynical atheists, right? Not in the ninth century. No, that, that, I mean, that's what's wonderful about the ninth century. You can be a cynical atheist and also completely devout. Yeah, you you're, you just want to make sure that um, you're smiting the right people, that the church wants to be smitten. Right, the the, the odds are good, but the goods are odd. I was, <laughs> I was reading about some other papal ruling around this time. Uh, one of these popes who didn't accomplish much during this time, his, one of his great... Um, one of his great rulings was that Christians who had been slaves to uh, to um, uh, Mohammedans, basically, to, to oh, oh, sure. in to the Middle Ottomans, East, yeah, or pre-Ottomans, yeah, to the Turks in the Middle East, uh, that they were still eligible to become bishops, despite the fact that they had been sullied somehow by slavery in foreign lands. Huh. And he'll go further than that. It's okay. They will be forgiven for anyone they murdered on their way out of... Uh, of uh, slavery, the heathen lands. Yes. Does that include Christians that had been slaves to the rhythm? <laughs> Are they also forgiven? Who would you say is the most powerful Christian who is also a slave to the rhythm? Is it Al Green? Mm, no, there's got to be a more powerful Christian. Is who's it Bill a Clinton? Slave to the rhythm. <laughs> uh, it's Gladys Knight. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um. So because. Formosus has made the mistake of allying himself with Arnold of Corinthia, and now here come... So the Italians have um, imprisoned him inside the Castel Sant'Angelo, you know, one of the papal palaces. But uh, Arnold's men successfully besiege Rome. They free Formosus. Formosus is then able to give the churchly imprimatur of authority when he crowns Arnold, Holy Roman Emperor. So it wasn't a mistake. Well, no, he turned out to have picked the right horse. And also, you know... May, who knows what favors he got? Because you want the right. Pope putting the crown on your head. Right, right, right. That's, that's, a, the, that's a good look. It's not going to, you know, it'll, that's the tapestry that all the that all the uh, peasants will be picturing. <laughs> yeah, right. Most most uh, enthralled to. <laughs> right. Uh, so, but then that's reciprocal, right? Then that then the Pope that crowns the king then also gets more popage. That's right. Yeah. Uh, he'll he'll scrub his back. Sure. The Pope will scrub his back. Sure. A lot of these popes are probably scrubbing a lot of other people's backs. They sure. shouldn't have been scrubbing. Getting their back scrubbed by a lot of people. Popes of illegal, you know, little baths of illegal age. Going it was the on. coin of the realm. Um, and he, uh, for Formosus, uh, only reigns for a few months. However, uh, he dies at the age of eighty. Might have been poison. Might have been old age. Scrubbed to death. There's a lot. Of, yeah, <laughs> might have been in the wrong bathtub at the wrong time. So wait, he was 79 when all this was happening? That's a pretty advanced age even then. I well, mean, it's, well, even now. It's just like today Especially or, or in Game of Thrones time. Like the, the people you've got um, doing steepling their fingers and, and cackling over power are all these right. awful old guys that need to cut their nails. With pointy teeth, sure. Yeah, with pointy teeth. They all own the clippers or something. So he gets there, he finally gets there, and then dies. Yes, uh, within months. Uh, he's succeeded by Boniface the Sixth, who lives two weeks. Oh. Boniface is succeeded by Stephen the Sixth, um, who is formerly a uh, a friend of Formosus, and you would think, you know, and had recognized Emperor Arnulf. So you'd think that Formosus's brief legacy would be in good hands here, 
But no, uh, the Spoletos are consolidating power. They uh, get Stephen the Sixth under their uh, uh, in their camp with right. favors unspecified, and they have decreed a vendetta against their enemy, the man they once protected, Bishop Formosus, who, as soon as he was pope, fell in with their enemy Arnulf of Carinthia and crowned him emperor. They want to shame Formosus and, you know, kind of in the manner of the current uh, Trump hearing, they want to um, blunt his movement. You know, they want to emasculate his followers who are still in positions of power. Right. So it's not just symbolic. You know, this is a vendetta that they think will help them consolidate power on the peninsula. Doesn't that usually take the form of, like, just massacres? Sure. What, just... uh, just go take the just start take, take the cut, top two hundred out. Take a bunch of guys with swords and drown them in the Tiber. Ah, I see. Well, there is going to be drowning with the Tiber, but they wanted a very public renunciation oh, of Formosus okay. and his legacy. So, in the year eight ninety seven, just you know, seven months after, I think just a few months after Stephen has become Pope, uh, Stephen makes formal charges that Formosus, the his former ally, the predecessor of his predecessor was actually running an illegitimate papacy, that he was, in fact, a usurper oh, to, the, to the throne of St. Peter. But there was, a, was there a second pope somewhere, uh, like, a, like a hidden pope? No, it's not an anti-pope, anti-pope Avignon situation. What they're really saying is that he, it was a bureaucratic issue. Oh. Uh, he was still, he had not given up his post as Bishop of Porto oh, when oh, he yeah. became Bishop of Rome and he just didn't cross all the, um, the, he didn't do the paperwork basically. And therefore it's just, you know, it's a smokescreen. It's, it's a way of invalidating his papacy that they think they can get away with in the canon law. But doesn't God have a hand in this at some point? I mean, is God going to let a guy get, become Pope on a technicality? Yeah, it's really tricky. I mean, I was thinking about this today because, you know, one of the you know, the whole brand of the today's Roman Catholic Church is this unbroken lineage of godliness and divine authority back to St. Peter. Right. Right? But there were a few, there were a few uh, bro- the, uh, broken links. Yeah, there's just decades and decades where it's just uh, a guy named Zachary stabbing a guy named Boniface, and then a guy named Boniface stabs another guy named Zachary, you know, and they... You know they don't advertise this, but it's it's a clear part of the history, right? Um, so it's a little. They really have to, on some level, have had to grapple with the fact that yeah, clearly, sometimes uh, moral mortal failing and agency must come into play to do God's mysterious work. Wait, are you sitting here casting aspersions on the current Pope that he might be illegitimate by by extension? Yes. What a what a what a way to introduce Mormonism into this whole story. What I'm saying. <laughs> uh, no, I mean if you're a believing Catholic, and of course there are hundreds of millions of them, no, you have to assume that God's work has somehow been done despite that's all the, thing. the, and you know, in living memory, God's and, will be done despite all the scandals with altar boys. You know, like sure there were failings by certain of his servants, but this has turned into an anti-papist. Podcast and I, I and I'm going to register my objection. I've got a stack of uh, chick tracts at hand right here, like I always do. This one's called Gomez is coming. That seems anti-Catholic. So, so for all of our Catholic listeners, let us just reiterate that we are a, a non-denominational podcast, and uh, we're talking about stuff that happened in the ninth century. Yeah, this is ninth century stuff, and and we know that God rectified all these problems somewhere. You know, he like 
He put hospital corners on on the sheets later. His, no, his hand was probably in all this. Right. He was like, well, there's going to be a weird trial of a corpse here, but um, that's going to be necessary to secure uh, Alexander the Seventh. Uh, or, or whatever. God was going through a phase. I'm not going to pretend I know the mind of God in the ninth century. I don't know his mind today. Yeah. Uh, Inshallah. So, in order to proclaim that uh, Formosus was a usurper, they decide to have a formal trial. They want a, a, a synod. They want a, a gathering where uh, a trial is held, and the goal of the Spoleto Vendetta, Mario, Mario Puzo novel, <laughs> is to secure... Domnatio memoriae. They want to condemn his whole memory and legacy, which is a, a tradition that goes back to the Roman Empire. If you were a bad, if you were a you know Sejanus, if you served Tiberius badly, or if you were a lousy emperor like right. Joaquin Phoenix and Gladiator, um, after they, you were gone, they would just say this guy sucked. They'd chip your name off of all the stones. Yeah, and retroactively, it's like you didn't exist. You would be retconned out of Roman history. This was very popular with the Soviets later. Sure, ancient yeah. Egyptians did it. Um, because in a, you know, in a time when you can control information flow, yeah, chipping away at some monuments or, um, taking down some statues is really all it takes. It's the gaslighting of, of ancient times because then you're walking around, you're talking about 15 years ago and you're like, but you know, we're not, we we don't talk about that Pope. You're gaslighting millions of people. Yeah. That Pope didn't exist. It predates gaslighting. Yeah. Right. I don't know what they called it. Torch Torch, uh, burning. Yeah. Um, Sundial scamming. So they dig up Boniface's corpse out of his tomb. They disinter him. He's been buried in honor in St. Peter's Basilica as befitting a pope. I think this happens a lot too. They sit him up in a little chair. They dress him in his papal vestments. How long was he buried? Seven months. So you can imagine he's not in very good shape. That's not long enough for him to just be dry bone, right? No. He's still going to be gooey? Well, or certainly leathery. It depends. I mean, the climate there lends itself, if you're in a... If you're if you're in a crypt rather than like yeah, buried don't, don't in, you a, think a crypt under Saint Peter, even in even in a hot Roman day, is going to be a little bit mildewy? Yeah, probably. Well, I mean, it's not like Rome isn't isn't a swamp bottom. This could be an HBO series, the the gooey Pope, the, the well, leathery Pope. I don't know how seven months. I mean, that's how desiccated are you? Let's find out. How long for a body to decay? I wonder in what in a Roman crypt. Well, what do you think embalming is like in uh, Dark Ages Europe? Huh? Would that have been the practice? Yeah, they they're not mummifying him. Obviously, do they have the tech to? Uh, well, this says we need some coroners to write in. We need. I know Omnibus has just thousands of medical examiner listeners. <clears throat> After uh, For sure. After three or four months, your yellow-green complexion has turned brownish-black because your blood vessels have deteriorated to the point that the iron inside them spills out. Why is this in the second person? <laughs> this is happening to you in your imaginarium. Uh, also around this time, the structures that hold your cells together break away so your tissues collapse into a watery mush. He is the gooey He's pope. A, the, well, this is three or four months. Oh, so and then it says in a little over a year. So it skips ahead oh, over the seven month. Uh, a little over a year, your cotton clothes disintegrate. Acidic body fluids and toxins break them down. But he's still not a skeleton, it sounds like. Only at this point. Uh, not, at this point, nothing dramatic happens for a while. But by a decade, given enough moisture, uh, the wet, low oxygen environment sets off a chemical reaction that turns the fat in your thighs and butt 
to a soap-like su- substance called grave wax. So he's still got fat in his butt at this point. Yeah, there's, his there's flat fat in his year butt, old butt. And it has not turned to grave wax yet. Contrary so, to popular belief. This, lo- this is a gross scene. In other words, it's a guy, it's a skeleton, it's a grubby skeleton dressed in um, a Pope outfit. I don't even think it's a skeleton. I think it's, I think flesh has fallen off. You think he looks more like a, a the, the, the translucent page of the world book? I think he's, I think he's he looks zombie. like, uh, he looks like an Osobuco. <laughs> <laughs> he's zombie Pope. This is, okay. this is imagery from a, from a cannibal corpse record sure. or something. Zombie Pope. So, I mean, I feel I feel like I have that video game. So he's sitting up in a chair, and they literally direct questions at him during the trial. Mm-hmm. We don't do this anymore. As you can imagine, he doesn't answer. Mm-hmm. A deacon has been appointed. The Vatican has appointed a deacon to speak on his behalf. But the deacon is not doing a good job. He, his eyes don't roll back in his head and, and, and come forth as... Uh, as yeah, <laughs> Zool. No, it's not Zool. It's much more of a weekend of Bernie situation than uh-huh. a uh, Ghostbusters or Beetlejuice situation. Uh-huh. Uh, he is. Um, he's just. He, he. He's like the Trump lawyers from yesterday. He. He's been given a set of prepared remarks that are not good, and he just makes weak arguments after weak arguments. That the prosecution is prepared so that they can, um, uh, you know, strip them away. Right. And show trial. It's a show trial of a. Zombie. Zombie zombie. show trial. And uh, as a result, he is quickly found, Formos is quickly found guilty. His memory is condemned in Latin. Now, this has some um, bureaucratic implications. Everything he did as Pope is now wiped away. Oh, wait a minute. So, which means they've got to go through, you know, every every bishop or deacon he promoted now has to be redone by the new guy. Every property dispute. Yes. Uh, That's terrible. There's a lot of parchment and... uh, Paperwork to do. What about all the marriages performed by all those oh, bishops? Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Right, because it because it because it, it, it extends outward. All those so much are, fornication. I know it's all it's all everything's illegitimate. This is the argument I would make if I were that deacon. I would turn out to be some principled Gregory Peck type, and I would look down at my at my remarks that uh, Stephen the Sixth gave me, and there'd be a long silence, and then I'd look up and I'd crumple them up, and I'd and say, you, "You'd just go rogue." The Bible defines fornication as. That's a good argument to make. Yeah. yeah right. I mean, the, you, you just it go it's, it's turtles all the way down at that point. There are also so, but they they paper that over and they you know re, redo all the stuff he did. But the physical results of the trial are literally done to the corpse, which luckily they have handy. Right. They rip off all his vestments. Oh no! So now he's a naked zombie pope. Uh, right, they, just a pile of goop. They cut off the three fingers of his right hand that he would use to bless people. Oh, that's a that's a, a real diss. But why? Busted. It's like he wasn't blessing anybody to begin with. He, they he, took away all the ble- all the. If if you thought but, that some blessings survived, but they they just ruled that there's no blessings in those fingers. They need to have the self confidence of their own ruling and leave him with his blessing free figure fingers. What did they do with his butt wax? <laughs> his grave wax. Uh, then they uh, drag him through the palace. Whoa, he's got to be coming apart at the seams. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder if they left the robes on him before they dragged him just to keep him together. Yeah. Um, They toss him off a balcony to an angry crowd. I feel like this is how you know you're on the wrong side of history, when you're throwing corpses off of balconies to crowds. If if you're truly on the wrong side of history, you're in that crowd. (laughs) (laughs) If you're really on the wrong practical side of history, you're the corpse. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then they rebury him in an unmarked pauper's grave. Why bother? Well, at some point, they'd later dig him up and then toss him in the Tiber. So they don't, maybe there's some discussion going on. 
Right. Like it's when they got Osama bin Laden's body and suddenly they had to make a quick phone call. Hey, I, w- what's the plan, guys? I, I feel like they should have just let the dogs take care of it. You Probably even the dogs rejected it. Uh, yeah, well, Rome is apparently full of green snakes, black toads, and white dragons. You'd, you'd think there'd be. <laughs> of uh, the three of those, I would rather be the white dragon. In fact, I'd like to be referred to the as the white dragon from now on. Sure, throwing him in the Tiber turns out to be a mistake. They should have left him in the unmarked grave because his body, his bloated butt wax body washes ashore or is, is found by a fisherman who brings it ashore. Why? And suddenly... <laughs> <laughs> She's dead, <laughs> wrapped in plastic. Uh, and at that point, you know, because there's this ongoing schism in the Vatican between Stephen's guys currently in power and the old Pope's guys mumbling in corners to themselves and doing Game of Thrones stuff with ravens, mm-hmm. uh, rumors start to spread that um, Formosus has been returned to life and is out just doing miracles and stuff. Oh, my God. This is, kind of, this is the kind of rumor it's easier to spread in the ninth century. Right, right, right. Yeah, I know we tossed him off that balcony, but now he's back and he's healing the leprous. No, my friend Steven saw him. He, <laughs> right. was, he, he walked right through here. He was at 31 Flavors, Look at and this. he saw Pope Formosus in there, and he healed a blind guy. <laughs> Look at his waxy footprints. They're all over. Uh, and so public opinion kind of turns. Steven is shortly, you know, for having picked the wrong side of history, the throwing the guy off balcony side is quickly... Um, deposed and replaced as Pope, and then he's jailed, and then he's strangled. Um, hmm, that's the wrong order. No, yeah. no, I guess it's the right order. St- first strangle him, then put him in jail. You got to give him the full benefit of law. First, take away his ring. Okay. Then put him in. Do you think sure. when they put him in jail, they were taking his his possessions, and it's like one red beanie cap, <laughs> one, <laughs> one uh, bulletproof carriage, right, one, one ring with the seal of the fisherman, giant uh, case full of gold, traditional red shoes. So this is all a result of public opinion being swayed by reported miracles. He loses his... My guess is a bunch of stuff is happening at once. You know, once the rumors start to spread, then this is a chance for uh, Stephen's enemies right, to, step to in. say, because really the... The thing, he, the most over-the-top thing this guy did during his brief papacy, as you would imagine, for any, it would be true of any U.S. president. If you dug up your predecessor, put him in a chair and yelled at him for a while. And threw him off a balcony. As a, as threw, threw him off the Truman balcony as a matter of public record. That and, would, you know. Then even threw he, him in the Potomac, and then he, <laughs> and then he got found by a fisherman. Even in the, by a paddleboarder. Even in the Trump administration, that would be, that would be breaking news on Chiron. It would. It would. I mean, a lot of norms got broken <laughs> in the last, uh, in the last. It turned out there was nothing in the rule book that said you can't dig up a pope and put him in a chair no, and yell at him. That's it, the thing. We the, need another argument to eliminate the electoral college. Once again, the Air Bud argument works. So that becomes a flashpoint for his enemies to say, look what this crazy bozo did. Right. And it brings down Stephen VI. His replacement, Theodore II, convenes a new synod, justice for Formosus. Any dead popes at this synod? No. Uh, Formosus attends this one in absentia. But the synod decides, although for many, for, for many years, um, some, some, one historian got a date wrong, and as a result, many, many church historians wrote that there had been a second cadaver synod where they dug him up again to ask him more questions. Right. But no, there was just the one cadaver synod. So, this one, so the next one of Stephen was, uh, he was there in abstentia? No, this is Theodore II. Oh, so Theodore. Theodore II uh, for Formosus. This is not him disavowing Stephen. Oh, it's this back is, to Formosus. Yes, back to Formosus, oh. restoring his papacy, which now exists again. But he's at the trial just in the form of one of those little uh, those little clay sculptures that the gladiator carries around in a 
in a, in a little leather poke. That seems a little uh, a little pagan. Oh, even sure, for ninth century Catholics, of course. So it's not just his vestments stuffed with straw. No, he's it, in some kind of uh, uh, Dante esque uh, uh, par- paradiso, right? At the time, I get it. Um, and as a res- the main thing, the main result of this is his body is reburied in St. Peter's Basilica, where it should have been all along before the cadaver synod. How much body was truly left, though? Probably uh, that body has had a lot of adventures. Yeah. A lot of weekend at Bernie's style <laughs> yeah. adventures. It's just like a little collection of teeth in a in a uh, in like a, a tin for for experiments. To this day, there has been no other Pope Formosus. Oh no! Who would who would choose that name? It's. I mean, it, you'd you'd think it would be very appealing, Pope Good Looking. Right, but uh, it's I been it's been sullied. S- settle for Paul. It's been sullied by some. Uh, by some controversy. Do you think any of this is an option for, uh, you know, repudiating past American leaders? Well, we put less in, we put less significance on the corpus now. I mean, that was one of the things about the bin Laden raid where they didn't want the body to have a, have significance like physical significance because in a religious context, it still would be, you know, it would be a, um, like a, like a factor, a pilgrimage. A, pr- a provocation. Spot. Yeah. For... And so they, what, they dumped him in the ocean? That seems really like a bad, that's a bad thing. You remember when Kurt Cobain died and Courtney Love got tired of people looking over her fence, so she destroyed the garage where where he had uh, breathed his last breath? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that house now just got sold to some banker and they're just living there. Doesn't that guy wish he had a garage? They're just like watching TV. That guy wishes he had a garage. Yeah, where's he going to park his Audi A7? He's got a Tesla, probably. And that concludes the Cadaver Synod. Entry 172.HE0927. Certificate number 28349 in the Omnibus. Future links in the unlikely event that social media still exists in your era, you have our deepest sympathies. But uh, we archive our output at Omnibus Project on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, Our handles were at Ken Jennings and at John Roderick. Uh, I do all my social mediating now on Patreon. But we have uh, an Omnibus Patreon where you can support the show at patreon.com slash omnibusproject. You can email us at theomnibusproject at gmail.com. And you can seek out our Facebook and Reddit and Discord fan groups under the heading Futurelings. Also, you can mail us things, and please do. Although we have enough chick tracks to last us for the rest of our lives, um, we do not have enough of your grandfather's sunglasses. So uh, mail us real things at P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. Here's a postcard from uh, Marin County. It's a nice place. Uh, I'd love to live in Marin County. Tony, Except- who is from Fullerton, the home of Leo Fender. But the, the picture on the on the card is of Marin County. Did we decide that Tony was or wasn't in the Bible? Tony, not in the Bible. Okay. Uh, hey, Tone. Hey, but Anthony? Not in the Bible. Right. Seems Anth- like it would Anthony be. works in a grocery store. But Ant- Anthony is like a, he's a Roman. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, there, so there are early saints named Anthony. This is a cryptic note. He wants us to know that he says, your listeners are the best, Mm -hmm. but this is to us from a listener. 
You're, you're, it's very self-congratulatory your card. Your listeners are the best, and you don't have to guess. De la Soul Posse. <laughs> do you think his, our, did our listeners do something for Tony? Your listeners are the best. I mean, it's good to, it's a good daily affirmation for Tony. Our listeners are the best. And they should look in the mirror every morning and say, I'm a good person because I listen to a quality podcast. Yeah, I, I, I have found that the Futurelings are among the best. They're lovely. They are. And we are grateful for, for them. And, and, by, and what that means is we're grateful for you, listener. You are, by definition, one of our listeners. I'm breaking the fourth wall now. Do you know which uh, of our listeners we're the most grateful to? Tony? Well, I don't know. Does he donate to the Patreon? Well, that's, oh, you're talking about the ones that we are most grateful to are the ones that support the show on patreon.com slash omnibus They're putting their money where their mouth is. Yes, we are grateful to you, and we uh, <clears throat> we love you. They, they uh, make the whole enterprise possible. Ken and I are, you know, middle-aged men, and expressing love is, I think, difficult for us. It's hard for us to express appreciation or any emotion at all to people not to things right 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 no we love dogs and 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 babies but well designed um, furniture we both talk about that a lot architecture city planning i i, I show so much love for city planning but our family members <sighs> a lot harder it's tough a lot harder uh and you know and strangers even more but uh, but we do love you and we talk about you all the time listeners from our vantage point in your distant past we have no idea how long our civilization survived we hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come. But if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus.